What is software design? Hi, my name is Eric Normand, and these are my thoughts on functional programming. So I've always had this trouble with the term software design. It's used a lot in the object-oriented world, and I've never quite understood what, what it's supposed to mean. So it, it kind of feels right sometimes to think of what you do when you're like moving code around and choosing where methods go. It kind of feels like design, but in the end, it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem to warrant a new term besides just coding, right? So, you know, it's used a lot. You see it in design patterns. Um, you see it in the book, Practical Object-Oriented Design in Ruby. Um, it, the design is just brought up so much in the object-oriented world. But, for instance, design patterns, you know, the patterns movement in architecture started by Christopher Alexander, they didn't call them design patterns. They didn't even call them architecture patterns. They were just called patterns. And when did that term design come in? Because to me, when you look at the patterns themselves, you look, you open the book and you, you, you read them, they are coding patterns. They're like templates for for like behavioral um they're they're behavioral templates they're 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 about here's what your objects should be doing when they're playing these roles together and if you if you if you follow something similar to this we call it you know visitor pattern whatever well where's the design in that right what is what does that have to do with design it seems more like a coding pattern maybe a a behavior pattern, I don't know. But where does the design part come in? Well, Sandy Metz in her her book, uh, Practical Object-Oriented Design in Ruby, I had never read it before, but I started reading it a couple weeks ago. And the first chapter is, why design? (laughs) I guess I I had always just put off this book, thinking I'd read it later, um, and she does have a a chapter exactly addressing the question and um, it kind of cuts through a lot of my um, skepticism about the term Uh, and and it gives me a way to think about it that I hadn't thought about before so whenever I had heard you know about refactoring about design patterns it all seemed very much code oriented right it's like design patterns to me is like your language doesn't let you do this particular thing that easily so you need a template to make it easy sort of like you know you have a for loop maybe your language doesn't have a for each loop so you have to have this pattern for initializing an index variable starting at zero then you know, checking the length of the list and, you know, all you, you do all this stuff and it's a for loop, but you have to make it look a certain way to be able to iterate through a list because you don't have a for each. 
I always thought of design patterns like that. Oh, you don't have a way to walk over a data structure will make a visitor pattern, right? Um, and what, what Sandy Metz's argument is, what her definition of design is, is that it's, it's making choices in the code so that you're, you can maintain a good development speed, right? So you make some choices and it later slows you down because you have to make a lot more changes to your code to make a small change in the software or you have to, um, you know, things are in the wrong place and things, and things are badly named and so you can't figure out what's going on. All of that, those things she's calling design. So it's, it's one aspect of... Uh, because it's not about how it works, right? It's not about what the software does. It's about how you choose to organize it, how you choose to... where, where the methods go, um, what the interactions between the objects are, those choices are and like how your dependencies work. She talks a lot about dependencies. All of that is not really about what it does. It's about how it does it internally in the code. So it's really a developmental concern. Design falls under the developmental stuff, meaning there's operational, or sorry, there's functional, what are the features you have? There's operational, which is like, is it scalable? Uh, what platforms does it run on? Is it cost effective? Those kinds of things. Then there's developmental, which is how easy is it to add new features? Um, are your developers stressed all the time working in this code? And she's putting it under that, the developmental, right? I always looked at it like it's a syntactic concern. It's all about code and not about the abstraction. But what she's saying is that you can't really separate out the abstraction from its representation. So, you know, you might think that the, the size of the method is purely syntactic, right? Because it's an easy transformation to make to split it up into two, right? But what she's saying is over time, if you're doing good design, you will approach a better model. A model that works in the present and also is easy to use in the future, right? It keeps your development speed high. And so I this gives me a lot of hope because um, I've I've always seen them as in conflict. This idea of the idea of having purely syntactic changes make any kind of progress on your on your domain model. You know, people who talk about object-oriented design, they also are the same people who talk about clean code. And, and 
the, the problem with cleaning up your code is, I mean, it's great to do, and I've talked about this before, but moving stuff around is not going to fundamentally change the, the abstractions in your code. And the abstractions are the important part. But Sandy Metz has this, I mean, optimistic view, I think, but, but she's got a whole book on it, <laughs> so it's, it's more than just a view. You know, it's, it's, it's well-developed and probably has a lot of good evidence for it. But the view is that they go hand-in-hand, hand, that you can make refactorings that incrementally improve your model, meaning make it closer and closer to the actual model that you're trying to discover, right? Which is... Which is great. I mean, that that's like the holy grail, is to be able to like write a quick version, quick and dirty version, and you know there's problems with it. You know that you haven't really captured the model yet that well, but over time, through actual development pressure, like wow, this is taking a long time to make this feature change. Maybe we need a you know, make, make some better design decisions in our code. And those design decisions, by just focusing on getting the developers happier, faster, easier, simpler time, all of those changes will actually align you with the model, right? Which, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's true, right? Like, it, it's sort of like asking... If you start with a naive brute force approach to uh, finding the shortest path and you just kind of like make oh, all these like, I don't know what you would call them, just changes, just organizational changes, code changes, will you eventually wind up with Dijkstra's algorithm? You know, just by refactoring it. Uh, I don't know, right? But it's a very optimistic view and it's kind of also a pragmatic view because that is kind of what we have. We have companies that want to get software out the door fast. They don't care so much about how clean the code is um, from the business perspective. It is a developmental concern, is what I'm saying. They just care that it's not too expensive and that it does what it needs to do. And... Um, there's all this pressure to get it out faster and what you that pressure of getting it out faster could require the developers to go back and do these design decisions make make design changes to make things faster and maybe maybe you could develop a good model that way that's like i guess the dream of agile and i'm i'm skeptical um, but I want to keep exploring this. All right, let me know what you think. My name is Eric Normand. You can reach me on Twitter, at Eric Normand. Uh, also on email, eric at lispcast.com. All right, see you later. Bye.